This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Sinishan from Legion, and our topic today is the great resignation slowing, but hourly employees remain deeply dissatisfied. Uh, so the deeply dissatisfied is the part we're probably going to explore the most. Uh, but Sinish, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Legion? Absolutely. So my name is Sanish Monkar. I'm the founder and CEO of Legion. And Legion is in the space of workforce management. We provide solutions to help labor-intensive industries like uh, retail, hospitality, food and beverage, operators in these industries. We help them effectively manage their labor and their and the hourly workforce. That work that works for these uh, these companies by a variety of tools and technologies that we provide through our platform. We have been in the uh, in this business for over six years. The company was founded in 2016 uh, by myself. Uh, prior to Legion, I've been in the enterprise software business for a very long period of time. I was formerly uh, chief product officer at SAP and Ariba, and I have had extensive uh, experience in building complex software that, that solve business problems. So really small companies that people haven't heard of is what I, what I got there. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Everyone's heard of SAP and Aruba. Um, so the platform, just so we, before we go, go into it, the platform itself, mm. what are some of the, what are some of the, obviously there's different products to, to the platform, but what are, what are we solving for? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, if you are, let's say you are uh, running a retail business and you've got stores uh, that, you know, sell some products uh, and you've got workers, employees that work in the stores uh, and they are, you know, uh, um, doing the sales and the inventory and all the typical things that happen that, that take place in stores. The challenge you, you probably have is you're trying to figure out how many workers I need at what point during the day so that I can ah. maximize sales and customer satisfaction. Right. Um, so any so intelligence, intelligence scheduling? Uh, absolutely. And, and I was, uh, you definitely are on the right track with your, your guests there. Uh, when we define intelligence scheduling, it starts with forecasting, like right. figuring out how right. many customers would I have at any given time. Uh, now, keep in mind, customers today may buy your goods and services not just through walking into your stores, but they may buy it online and pick it up offline. They may use same-day delivery. They may do drive-through if you are in you know, you know, food services uh, type of businesses. So the variety of ways customers are are, are coming uh, at you in terms of you know wanting to buy your goods and services. So forecasting labor to service each one of these ways that customers are coming at you. And then once you, once you forecast the, the amount of labor you need, then creating the right schedule uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, that meets the demands of the customers is part A of the challenge. Right. Part B of the challenge is if you, if you think about this whole thing from an employee standpoint, employees who do these jobs, they are very motivated by very different factors. They like flexibility because many of the workers in these jobs, they may have multiple jobs. They may be, or they may be doing this on the side with maybe they're, they have a school, uh, they, uh, you know, they're going to school or they may have some other commitments. So these types of scheduling and flexibility type of things are a great motivator or in many cases are a driver of attrition for workers doing these jobs. The other thing that also motivates employees a lot uh, um, employees that do these jobs is a better experience like communication tools, modern communication tools, getting paid instantly, which is one of the newer things that's really emerging as one of the top features. So if you combine these two things as a business, I want to like, accurately predict customer demand so that I can very efficiently deploy labor to meet the customer needs. But as an employee, I'm looking for flexibility. I'm looking mm-hmm. for for better experience. I'm looking for uh, getting paid as soon as my shift is over. Right. What Legion does is it combines these two uh, these two sets of value propositions together in a single platform. I love that. Do Do you have the need? Obviously, things are all mobile friendly, if not mobile first. Or do you have a the ability to do shift swapping and things within the within the within the platform? Absolutely. So when an employee thinks about flexibility, there are many layers to it. One is, hey, if I prefer to work on Thursday, Fridays, uh, you know, can I can I generally speaking get schedules that match my preference? But furthermore, there is also more things to it. Like if if say I have a unforeseen situation and I cannot make it on Thursday, even though I may have preferred Thursday, generally speaking, am I? Do I have the right tools for me to then manage that situation and swap that shift with somebody else without necessarily bothering my manager? Or do I have other ways to it where I can actually handle that problem you know, without, without creating a problem? Um, those are the type of tools that are part of when we think about, empl- when we define at Legion, we define employee flexibility and employee self-service. That it essentially is a set of tools for employees to to personalize their schedules to their needs and furthermore also have these types of uh, feature functionalities available where they can swap shifts they can claim a shift from a from a uh, you know an open shift marketplace they can um, give up their shift to somebody else they can uh, do all these other self service actions like time off requests so on and so forth i love it okay so Let's talk about the deeply disappointed. So again, hourly, as we're th- or at least as I'm thinking about it, is everything from hourly nurses to retail, hospitality, food service, convenience right. stores, you know, et cetera. Um, and I'm sure it's broader than that, but let's just let's just say hourly because there's obviously uh, warehouses and all kinds of other things. They're deeply dissatisfied. Tell me a little bit more about that. What, what are you learning from the both system and what are you learning from clients? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, we have been doing a survey of hourly workforce every year. So we have a lot of data on this. We have seen this pre-pandemic. We have seen this post-pandemic. We also have a lot of our own customers in all those industries that you mentioned who give us, share a lot of their their data with us. So there is a lot of, lot of really good data set that 
very strongly correlate to a few conclusions. First is that uh, the hourly workforce, as you know, many in many industries, this hourly workforce had a very difficult time during the pandemic. Right? They were still, you know, in many cases, they had to, you know, risk going to work because they just had to because their jobs did not allow the luxury of working from home. Right. So that was a factor. Uh, but then the other thing that also happened was and continues to happen is uh, there as these jobs, as these industries came back from the pandemic, in many cases, the experiences of these employees kind of they felt like it went back to the pre-pandemic days where these jobs were not treated like like the jobs you know, like like many other jobs in other industries, uh, it went back to uh, poor experiences, uh, uh, no flexibility. Um, uh, you know, uh, back to sort of uh, the uh, time where you know they had, they didn't have any control over the schedule. That would take. Uh, there were no communication tools. If 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 I'm if I'm working in many of these retail and restaurant. Uh, uh, establishments, I don't typically get a company email address. I don't typically get any company communication tools. So my ability to know what's going on or be aware of policies, and this really, you know, this this problem was compounded during the pandemic because there was a need to communicate to employees about maybe it's, you know, uh, the the store may be shut down because of uh, you know uh, uh, local uh, you know uh, uh, states and cities were and even jurisdictions were adopting different policies on what industries may be open what what places may be closed all that stuff so they were just having this lack of communication tools really made their jobs very hard and coming out of the pandemic I think there is a general disappointment appointment uh, that there wasn't a lot more investment by many of these companies in enabling these tools in in learning from the experiences from the pandemic and saying okay well these are for these in some cases essential workers in other cases frontline workers they we we learned some lessons during the pandemic and now we are we are coming back to life as normally in many places it's time to make this investments it's time to to enhance that experience as an employee. And I think what we're seeing now is, is a lot of that kind of resonating in this workforce. So we are all witnessing this labor shortage crisis, as it's called. And labor shortage crisis, if you really think about it, is there's no labor shortage. The same number of people are still out there. <laughs> right. It's not like people disappeared. They're opting they out of it. <laughs> They're opting out of it. They don't want to do some of these jobs now because they say enough is enough. And the, so, and the, and so, the deep yeah. and sad irony is that at the same time, we want to restrict immigration. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a so whole different story let's but we let's, can... <laughs> res, let's restrict immigration when people do well yep. i mean first of all you got to fix the or not the symptoms you got to fix the root cause which is really what you're talking exactly. about it's like they you want them to do this task and i think I've, I've said this before we i grew up in an era where hourly jobs it was a faucet you just turn on the faucet and people would just show up and and, and actually it was you were just happy to have a job those days are dead those days were long completely past, dead. Yep. completely dead. Hopefully, to never return. 
So you're talking about a, a completely kind of a, a revolutionary way of looking at employee experience, not the corporate, because we have a lot of this stuff that happens in corporate, which is great. It just hasn't come it's over for to the, the hourly, hourly workers. That's exactly. Right. And, and hourly workers, if you just contrast, like, I mean, we, you and I are talking right now on a Zoom call. We have all these tools and we got email addresses and you got probably messenger and everything going on in the back. And contrast that with nine out of 10 retail workers do not get a company email address because of a variety of reasons. But but at the end of the day, they don't have basic tools. So so in my opinion, what's, uh, you know, the data that we are looking at seems to strongly suggest that employees are out there in the marketplace during the pandemic, they found alternatives to make near minimum wage um, uh, you know, incomes, which is what a lot of these these jobs were at anyway. And now, when these jobs came back, they don't necessarily have interest in going back because ex- because for the experience that they had prior to the pandemic was so low. So the the ball now is in the court of the employers, and they have the the they have to increase the. It's not just about wage rates, right? That's, Right. That alone is not going to solve the problem. They have to figure out how to bring, how to address the question of flexibility, how to address the question of communication tools, how to address the question of instant pay, because the alternative a lot of these employees have today is to do some of the gig jobs where they get some of these things. Right. Well, the irony, Sinish, is, is in every one of these, well, most of these scenarios, they've given deep thought to the customer experience. Like when you go into a hotel, they thought about the music, they thought about the smells you'll smell, they thought about the furniture that you're interact with. They <laughs> basically everything has been manufactured or orchestrated or constructed in a way so that you have a positive experience. And I'm not, I mean, that's the Four Seasons, but that's also Taco Bell. So that's everyone that's in that yes. business has thought deeply, and for years, this is a forty-year-old bit. Like this isn't new. But they haven't transferred like the knowledge yes. of what they learned there to employees. You are absolutely one hundred percent right. Uh, you know, and and all the innovation investment in store operations, for example, in retail was by and large focused on customer experiences, as you said, and employees and employee experiences and all those things really took a backseat for a very long period of time. I think now that employee base is speaking up. And saying no, that's there. There is. We should expect something better. Right. And if you want us to, if these industries need to continue expecting a pool of labor to to fuel their growth, then there has to be some investment made in the experiences of these employees, so that they can go and do this job with more satisfaction than they had before. Uh, so, so that's sort of the the, when you, the data strongly suggests that when you when you talk to customers, I mean we're capitalists, you know, quasi capitalists, if not full on uh, capitalists. Mm-hmm. Why is it this just as simple as you're losing money? <laughs> you know, the the store is open, but you you literally you only have two lines open. People get frustrated, they leave the store, they're not buying, or the restaurant is fully open. And only half the restaurant is open because you can't staff the other half of the restaurant. Like you're literally losing money. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I know that you've talked to owners about this. I know you've talked to customers about this. Yeah. But, but why hasn't it transferred over to, oh, okay, create a better experience for employees, make more money? 
Yep, I think I think that is starting to happen now, and that's right. that's and that's the positive. That's the silver lining in in the conversation we're having. Good point. Historically, as you pointed out, the notion was it's a faucet. I'm gonna open. I'm, I have access to cheap labor anytime I want, and and there are people. If you don't want to do this job, there are three people waiting behind you to do this job. Mm-hmm. That was historical. That, that you know, for many many decades, that was the case. So that just trained a lot of operators in many of these industries to uh, to operate in a certain way that did not prioritize the needs of the employees now after the pandemic especially and after the labor shortage crisis which is still going on i think businesses are prioritizing things differently now they need help like just realization that they have to prioritize differently doesn't automatically change their operations. So they need help. They need they need a toolkit. They need software like Legion, which says, okay, you know what? I'm I'm always going to be labor cost conscious because that's just a, that's such a big item on my PNL. So I always I'm going to be careful and I'm always going to prioritize labor efficiency for my business. But it doesn't have to come at the expense of employee experience and that is fundamentally legion's message you right. can you can in fact you'll be more labor efficient by treating employees better and giving them this toolkit because guess what your cost of worker replacement is is going to be much lower even if you want to talk in terms of hard dollar savings yes that's the math your cost of worker replacement is going to be lower your labor is going to be optimized and because you have the employees staying on for longer. Guess what? That what, what happens to your customer service? It's better. You got happier employees treating your your customers better. So that that math and everything else is very very solid. It it took time for the industry to change its old ways. Is how I can put it. And start prioritizing this more so that they now start seeing solutions versus always having excuses on why they should not do this. So I heard something the other day, and I think uh, I want to get your take on it, is that in the hourly market, for a long time, we've nibbled around the edges of this, so it won't be too revolutionary, is that the hourly workers look at companies as commodities and the companies look at hourly workers as commodities. So first of all, just kind of let that set with you for just a second. What is First of all, do you agree with that? Like historically, and do you believe that that's what needs to be fixed? I think there is some truth to that because there are some of these jobs are seasonal, for example, right? They are vocational jobs, they are seasonal jobs, like retail hires a lot more people during holiday season only. And and the nature of that hiring is for three, four months and stuff like that. So there's part of that. But beyond that, I don't agree, even though that may not be uh, you know, conventional wisdom. I think the problem is that if you treat a job as a transactional job, then that's what you. Then essentially, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what you get. But if you invest in in development of the job, develop, have a career track from these jobs, so that an employee can start there and and then make progress, and invest in upskilling and things like that. And again, all this will pay you back, you know, uh, uh, in the economic sense. So 
this this doesn't come at the expense of an in, in fact best in class businesses already do this right. but there is plenty of evidence to say that hey if you treat this job differently not as transactional jobs then the employee mindset will follow the employee mindset will change you will attract a the right type of employee who look at a career path here who look at this as career advancement not just as a way to make extra money or a side hustle and that will lead to very different type of outcomes it's it's interesting cuz you you said it earlier and i want to kind of get back to it is this isn't just throwing money at the problem which i think is historically when we look at candidate driven market employer driven market scarcity surplus etc we just we've historically looked at it and just said we'll just increase the hourly wage and that'll take care of the problem and i think i think one of the things you've articulated what many things that you've articulated is like yeah you can do that <laughs> And that's almost table stakes. Yes, yeah. you should probably increase that's your exactly. hourly wage. Uh, but the, what are the things that come after that that you've noticed that are like, okay, fix that and then fix what's next? Yeah, so first thing, let me just comment on the increasing hourly rate and, sure. and why that is. That is necessary but not sufficient. Right. Um, when, when hourly rate increases, for example, restaurant workers in San Francisco, they get paid more or less the same hourly rates increase but they also quickly normalize and and everybody in the city or area matches that because nobody mm. wants to be left behind right so there is so that doesn't so if now if you are a restaurant in san francisco you are not necessarily going to say hey uh, if the hourly rate is 25 dollars an hour i'm going to do 35 dollars because that's that's not likely what you will do. You will try to mass twenty-five dollars uh, because that's the rate. Uh, but then, right. if that's the case, then how are you differentiating yourself? Mm-hmm. How are you doing a better job of attracting and retaining employees at your establishment versus having them walk uh, walk right next door and and having the same wager? That's the part that that we constantly talk to customers about. Like, look, there is actually a playbook for that. And the playbook is, and this is all backed by data, our surveys and a lot of other data we got says the most, besides, if you leave wage rate aside, 60% of the driver of, of the decision of should I stay or should I go is tied to schedule flexibility. If, and in whatever shape or form that makes sense for your business, maybe, you, you know, you, you, you have a business that can offer gig-like flexibility, which is, unprecedented flexibility great that is that's good for you or maybe but but maybe you have a have a constraints like operating hours you're only open from 9 a.m to 7 p.m great whatever within the boundaries of your business any type of flexibility that you can incorporate in your employee schedules and by flexibility just to remind ourselves letting employees to whatever extent possible, decide which days they prefer working, which days right. they don't prefer working, and giving them a, a, a toolkit to manage their own schedules. That well, is that it, that drives sixty percent. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's it's interesting because you couple that with the forecasting. You know when coverage needs to be there. You do, it's not necessarily that Tammy or Donnie needs to be there at that particular time. Exactly. It, right. But you know, you should know, especially if you've got if you've got forecasting, you should know when somebody should be there. But letting them opt into those things. Let me ask you a quick, quick, quick. Well, one quick yeah. statement. I think a lot of the folks in the hourly market 
have historically thought of competition as as like in their category. So if you're Taco Bell, your competitors are, you know, McDonald's or if it's McDonald's or Burger King or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned about the, the hourly market is that's not true. If you're mm-hmm. in the hourly market and you're and you're let's say you're looking at a job at Taco Bell, you're also looking at Verizon. You're looking at, you're looking at an e-job at the mall. Right. You're looking at all kinds of things. Which so right. so I think competition is a really thing, interesting thing. But I want the last thing I want to get your take on is kind of job descriptions and pay transparency. More on the pay transparency side, like what's your take and what's your advice for clients in terms of just being upfront with what the job pays. I think that's all, that's a requirement for these jobs. That's a requirement, and I, I see most people actually do that. It's on yeah. their website. It, now it could be tied to the city or state. Uh, you, you know, it's different in uh, San Francisco versus some other places, and those types of things. So that's normal. But pay transparency is there. But I think what I'm I'm pleased to see more of is more and more businesses adopt a different payroll cycle. So if, oh, yeah, especially yeah. For, for shift workers, if like why wait two weeks to get paid for your shifts? Some, empl- some employees are doing in three days. Yeah. Some employers are doing one week. Some employees are doing instant. And uh, yeah, that I saw this is at, at HR such Tech. a great thing. Yeah. No, I saw this at HR Tech last week is a lot of the pay on demand that used yep. to be kind of ex- kind of more uh, for gig workers, especially like an Uber driver, you can tab out at the end of your drive or ride. You can tab out at the end of the day or end of the week. You can tab out whenever you want to. And that shift of now it's moved into all of hourly and not that you'd care, but it's also pushed its way into salary. So if you're an accountant at Deloitte, uh, you've accrued so much pay. You just want to, you want to get paid now, which is, I mean, it's, fascinating and it's the behavior underneath it that's really i think most interesting that's to me is exactly like, right i want my money yeah. i've earned it i want my money now um Sinesh, this has been and so there's a need right uh, yeah. sorry uh, just last, last comment on that is uh, in the hourly workforce i mean we uh, legion has that feature on the platform too and, and we know the data on that 70 percent of the workers new paycheck to paycheck in these jobs right. so for them it's not just a a nice to have, and it's great that I have access. It's oftentimes a necessity, and it keeps them away from these payday loans and all these other mm-hmm. bad options out there on the marketplace. Drops Mike walks off stage. Sinish, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for carving out your time and wisdom. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news.